0: hello again everyone welcome to the red and white authority this is episode 189 i'm art regner and as always the red and white authority is presented by labat blue it is the official canadian beer of the detroit red wings whether it's winter spring summer or fall it's always a good time after a hard day of work and whatever just to relax with an ice cold frothy labat blue but we do ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. Well, we're getting uh, close to uh, the NHL draft and a lot of things are going to be starting to happen. I know you say draft. Isn't it in June? But hey, you never sleep in this job. You always are looking. You're always prepping. And what better way to begin officially looking at prospects and getting an overview of the Red Wing organization prospect-wise than with our old buddy, friend of the show as we call him, Tony Ferrari draft and prospect analyst for the Hockey News. Tony, it's always great to have you on. Thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, anytime.
0: Uh, I'm kind of curious, Tony. I mean, you did extensive work at the recently concluded World Junior Tournament. Uh, Canada was favored to win. Canada did win. Connor Bedard if he hadn't cemented it already, is without question gonna be the number one overall pick. But your quick overview of that tournament, were, were, did it go as you expected or were there some surprises along the way?
1: Uh, it was an exciting tournament. I think it, there were some surprises. Chechia beating Canada on the opening day, the US losing to uh, Slovakia at one point. It was a fun tournament because every team that even no matter how strong they looked, looked like they could be beat on any given night because teams like czechia teams like slovakia and switzerland even looked really strong in this tournament at at various points and ceci obviously got the silver medal they were one of the best teams throughout the tournament so It was a fun tournament. It was an exciting tournament. Probably one of the best World Juniors we've had in recent memory. It helps that it was also the first regular World Juniors after all the COVID World Junior tournaments we've had. So it was a really, really fun tournament. Obviously, Connor Bedard was fantastic. Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson, two other draft eligibles had some really nice moments as well. It was a good tournament overall, though. Uh,
0: Yeah, I, I really, really quickly want to ask you about Marco Casper. I know we're kind of jumping around because everyone thought that he would be the, the leader of, uh, uh, the, uh, of the Austria team, which was relegated, unfortunately, uh, uh, yet there was some reasoning behind that, and it was more maybe even the country of Austria didn't want Marco Casper to play on this world junior team, thinking that he had graduated to, for lack of a better term, the big club, the national team in Olympic competition. Is, is that how that broke down, or is there more to that story?
1: Yeah, I think it's always a combination of a a few things. I think the Red Wings, Rogla, uh, the Austrian Hockey Federation, everyone kind of worked together on that. And they decided, you know what, this is a guy that's putting up 18 points in 34 games so far at the the SHL level, looking really good against men. There's no reason for him to go back and dominate. I think Austria probably thought they were a better team than they were and didn't think they were at risk of being relegated. And unfortunately, they, they did get relegated. But because they probably thought they were probably going to finish fourth in their division, not worry about relegation, and even if they got there, they'd be able to beat whichever team was uh, up against them in the relegation round, they probably were like, "That's fine. Like we can let him focus on playing for that men's team." He's played three games for them. He's got three points in those three games in in little international friendlies here and there. So he's definitely graduated to the next level. And I think at the end of the day, it's just a good sign to say. Man, this kid's the real deal. He's going to be a, a really solid pro coming up in a few years. Well,
0: yeah, I, I look at it, and you know, and I, and I know you're Canadian. I'm an American, although, you know, you're local. I, I don't know if the Canadian government still considers the greater Windsor, Ontario area part of the United States, but <laughs> it might as well be. Uh, sorry, I know Canadians sometimes get upset when I say that, but it's more my affection for Canada than it is anything else maybe it's wishful thinking on my part but but my, my, my point being is is that I know that you see uh, uh, a, a lot of the Red Wings or you know a lot of hockey uh, but you have a Canadian's perspective I have an American perspective so I'm going to ask you two questions about the World Junior Tournament number one what kind of pressure is there on Team Canada it seems immense especially coming from this side of the uh, uh, from the Detroit River I guess because even though it's a great tournament and i know hockey fans are engaged in it it does not get much play in the united states
1: yeah there's a lot of pressure on the canadian kids i think especially this generation's grown up watching it on on tsn up here watching all the coverage of it it gets all the hype every year it's pretty funny i think the first commercial i saw for the tournament was in november it was a month out from the tournament like there's no reason for there to be commercials for it yet but there there yet there was and then seeing guys like Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli, Logan Stankov, and everyone representing their country, it, it truly does mean a lot, especially because it was in Canada this year. I think the other thing for Canadians is this is a tournament to showcase what they've got this is a tournament to be able to kind of say hey i was on that that team canada and this for a lot of kids is the last time they'll get to throw on a canadian uh jersey because once they get to the next level they're not competing against the logan stankovans in the in the uh, adam Fantilli's of the world they're competing against the crosby's and the mcdavids and whatnot and with canadians that are the NHL is not going to the Olympics the last few times, it's even more difficult to get that Canadian jersey on. So it really has been a, a, a bit of a last effort of, hey, this might be the last time I get to throw a Canadian jersey on and represent my country in a true best-on-best best tournament.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, and, and I try to watch the tournament, uh, you know, obviously every year right around, uh, you know, Christmas time there when it, when, it, when it begins. And I, I, I'm always kind of curious. It seems to me that there's a lot of pressure on Team Canada they end up losing a game early on and then somehow it almost takes the pressure off them. And, and I'm viewing this as an American where they really, or at least the last couple of world juniors, uh, uh, they've really been able to turn it around even though it might not have started off that well for them.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing with especially this year's group is they went into this this tournament going, is this going to be the best world junior team ever with Connor Bedard? Logan Stankoven, Joshua Waugh, they had depth, they had skill, they had scores at every level. They had three NHL players and Shane Wright, Brant Clark, and Dylan Genther kind of get loaned back to them for the tournament. They, there was a lot of potential for this to be an absolutely dominant team. And there were streaks of time where they were. But I think going into that first game against Czechia on Boxing Day on the, on the 26th, there was a lot of, okay, they're just going to run over Czechia. And then when Czechia came out and not only beat them, but, Kind of beat them pretty handily. It was a reality check for the Canadians. And I think that team had to go, okay, we're not going to be able to go in here and just dominate every team. We still have to work hard. And at the end of the day, it was a nice little bookend facing that team you faced on opening night in the gold medal game to see if you could redeem yourself. And the Canadians did. And it was a fun, fun game.
0: All right. Turning our attention is not a team USA. Uh, I, I guess it's internal pressure or pressure on Hockey USA. Uh, because uh, I know that it's not political when this team is chosen, but I know that John Van Beesbrook and his group, Hockey USA, does a great job. But they seem to have internal pressure that they put on themselves, whereas Canada has to deal with the entire country. These guys have to manage their own expectations. I don't know if I'm saying that properly or not, but Team USA has always, I think, kind of a weird vibe going on.
1: Yeah, Team USA is always really interesting because I think with the national under-18 team, uh, the development program there, there's a lot of uh, of development where these kids have played together for so many years. Whereas the Canadian team, they're spread across the world, they're, the the Canadian market, whether they're in the WHL, the OHL, the C- or the QMJHL, or even playing in college in the states, it's an interesting mix of just throwing guys together and going. Hopefully, this works. The us kids a lot of times have played together we watched logan cooley and jimmy Snuggeru tear up the tournament because they've played together before we watched cutter goche work really well with guys on that team and at the end of the day you have a lot of these ntdb kids coming up together and i think honestly at the end of the day despite canada winning the gold medal and myself being canadian usa hockey's kind of taken the run the reins with being the best development system in north america in terms of hockey i think that US NTDB program has done a great job of making american kids top end players not only not only at the nhl draft but at all these international tournaments i think we see so many times at the world under 18s that that team absolutely destroys everybody else it's so fun to watch because there is that built-in chemistry of playing together for so long so i think there's the pressure of Not letting the guy next to you down a lot with Team USA, because like I said, they're they're guys that have been together for a season. They're guys that may put together two or three seasons. You had five guys from the University of Michigan play on that team, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a fun, fun tournament. And with Team USA, That pressure really is owing to the guy next to you whereas canada it is like you said it's more of hey the whole country's behind us we can't let them down and and sometimes when you get that you want to play for your the the, your brother next to you a little bit more than you want to play for that national pride and whatnot because it's a little bit more personal
0: right right certainly i mean and it's fascinating to watch and how they develop and you know obviously I, i i think americans can relate to it as far as the players ages, because it's really kind of college age kids. And obviously everyone knows how big college sports is in the United States. So, uh, but it's a little bit different because hockey is not college basketball. It's not, uh, uh, you know, college football, certainly. Uh, And uh, I mean, it gets its due here and it has grown from gosh, when I was a young man where it is today, but uh, a fascinating tournament. Uh, Again, uh, Canada wins the gold. Czechia wins the uh, silver. Uh, the United States, after a wild, wild, wild bronze medal game, wins the bronze, uh, and, and Sweden comes in fourth. Uh, were you surprised by that? I was a little bummed, I think, like most North Americans, that the way it played out, Canada and the United States did not play for the goal.
1: Yeah, I think Canada and the U.S. Uh, would have been a really fun gold medal game. We saw that in the semifinals. But at the end of the day, I think both semifinals between uh, Canada, USA and then Sweden, Chechia, they were outstanding games. And then we were like, well, how are, how is the medal rounds going to top that? And then both of them did. I think canada Czechia was an outstanding game. It was so fun to watch, really competitive. And then Sweden, Sweden and the U.S. was absolutely insane. I think there was 11 goals scored in the second period. It was just so much fun to watch because it really was just firewagon hockey.
0: Right. For our Americans listening out there, it was much like the third quarter of the Michigan TCU game. <laughs> yeah period. there was a free 44 points were scored in that quarter and you know you're talking uh, what'd you say like 11 goals or something uh, you know it was just uh, absolutely unreal i think the red wings were actually playing at the same time or or had a game the, the same day that usa and sweden was playing so i was following it on uh, uh on the old internet but um w- moving forward there isn't really much more i guess we can say about a tournament that's concluded yet uh, how Fascinating. What players really stood out? I mean, was this the Connor Bedard show from beginning, middle, and end? Or were there other guys that kind of stepped it up that surprised you or kind of um improved their draft stock as well?
1: Well, I think a Connor Bedard show is, is pretty obvious. He led the tournament in scoring, set the Canadian record for points, goals, and assists, if I'm not mistaken. Did just about everything you could ask for a guy. Put up 3.29 points a game it, it was really fun to watch but i think adam Fantilli, university of michigan player was really really good in in the tournament and got better as it went on it was it was a little bit difficult for him early on he's playing on the wing he's used to playing center and he was kind of put in a position where he wasn't really able to play his style of game But as the tournament went on, he adapted to that bottom six role and ended up being one of Canada's best bottom six players. I think he did so many of the little things right defensively and offensively that ended up being a really valuable part of that team at the bottom of the thing. And then Leo Carlson, another top three player for this draft for Sweden just improved throughout the tournament this kid was absolutely outstanding as soon as the games got big and the elimination round the 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 bronze medal game he was fantastic there's a lot to like about this draft class coming out of here then you had good performances from guys like dalibor dvorsky uh uh, uh martin Michiak, all sorts of different players in, in uh for this year's draft class
0: right it, it really sounds like it so uh then let's now uh begin with the uh the upcoming 2023 draft. Uh, you know, depending on where the Red Wings are going, I mean, they could be a lottery team. Uh, you know, I look at, uh, I look at. You know, obviously, if somehow, and it never is going to happen, but you know, uh, I can, I guess, I can dream. Uh, if the Red Wings were to somehow get to win the lottery, if they're in it, and, and get the number one pick. Uh, Connor Bedard is a a slam duncan for all men five feet nine, which I am. Uh, I just have to say uh, I love that guy
1: uh I yeah. mean, you know
0: he is you know he's not the tallest but boy what a, what a hockey player but you know Adam Fantilli, who's 62 and Leo Carlson who's 6 three are are the big type of centers maybe that Detroit would yearn for but how would you characterize the 2023 draft k- class uh, uh, talent above uh, all over the board is it forward heavy defense heavy or is there a couple of perhaps goaltenders or two that could really uh make their mark in the nhl someday
1: i think it's a really interesting draft class because it is pretty forward heavy i think the defensive group in this this year's draft is pretty lackluster but thankfully the red wings have gotten a few good really good defensive prospects in the last few drafts so I think there's a lot of forwards and i think there's a lot of centers which is really interesting They're Usually, you go into these drafts and you go oh yeah this guy's listed as a center but he's going to be in a winger at the next level i think there are a lot of true centers in this draft class top, highlighted by the top three in, in bedard Fantilli, and carlson but even down the board i think zach benson uh different guys like that dalibor dvorsky could play center it, it's going to be a really interesting group because there's a lot of guys that can play down the middle of the ice and there's a lot of high high-end draft draft eligible players this year i think It's a better draft than we've seen in recent years. I think this draft is going to be comparable to that 2019 draft where we saw those NTDB kids go with uh, Jack Hughes and everything. But it's not necessarily going to be one team like the the NTDB carrying this draft. It's going to be talent from all over the place from Sweden, from Russia, from Canada, from the United States. It's a really, really fun group.
0: Well, you know, when I I look at it, and I want to go back. You know, obviously, I hear from Red Wing fans all the time, and. Uh, you know nothing against any current Red Wing players, but they're looking. You know they need that elite level player. They need that generational player. I, I think you know what? Probably 26 or 27 of the 32 NHL teams can probably say the same thing. Uh, but but I guess my point being is, and getting back to Connor Bedard, is he a generational type player? Will he be able to step in? Uh, much like uh, and I'm not trying to compare him but have the same kind of impact on their club that obviously Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews had on their teams
1: yeah I think he can I think he's a really really high-end player the way the things he's done at both the World Juniors and the WHL and every time he gets a chance to step up he does it he's a fantastic player and I think he's going to provide that kind of little injection of just absolute youth and in power into that lineup. And he is a smaller player, but boy, does he ever play, play one, one heck of a game.
0: Yeah. And what, what is it about him? Because I said, obviously he's like five, nine, 185 pounds. So, uh, you know, he's solid there's certainly, but what gives him that eliteness, I guess, what puts him over the top over most players?
1: I think the big, fir- the first thing you, you got to notice is the shot. He's an absolute lethal shooter, maybe the best shooter to come out of the draft since Austin Matthews. I think he's got that level of goal-scoring ability, and he's also got the, a bit more playmaking, I think, coming out of the draft than Austin Matthews does at the, sa- at the same age. I think Matthews has learned to become a bit more of a playmaker and diversify his offensive game that way. And he's a sneaky good uh, playmaker now in the NHL. Whereas Connor Bedard, I think, while he'll probably rely on his shooting talent, at least to begin with, he has that ability to kind of score some goals, put, uh, put the puck in the net, and set up his teammates. He's not the fastest guy, but he certainly doesn't lack speed. He's not going to be McDavid out there just burning guys every every chance he gets. He's more of an agile, shifty player uh something i've kind of compared him to a little bit is imagine mitch marner with austin matthews shot and that's kind of the player you're getting with 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 Connor bedard because he's got that shiftiness he's not the fastest guy by any means but he's got the playmaking he's got the the goal scoring ability and he is smaller so he's gonna need some some guys around him that can kind of win those board battles at times but for the most part this is a guy that's going to be an absolute difference maker
0: you know i i want to ask you about a couple of prospects and then maybe some that. that you know, maybe the Red Wing fans should be aware of. Uh, again, I know it's way too early to try to anticipate where Detroit is going to finish in the standings, and you know, who knows what's going to happen with the trade deadline uh, in, in early March. Uh, what, what, what the Red Wings could do are they buyers, are they sellers? It appears right now, or do they stand pat? I, I I'm kind of leaning to maybe standing pat or being a seller, but let's say but that's just uh my initial thoughts at that point but we won't get into that but we've talked about connor bedard another guy who i think is really really intriguing is adam fantilli who plays for the university of michigan what can you tell us about him
1: Uh, he's an absolute fantastic center really really smart intelligent two-way presence that has the size power and speed that you don't see a lot in a player that 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 has all three of those traits i think his ability to score goals and set up teammates is just a step below where Connor bedard's at i don't i don't think he's quite the same level of player i think there's a lot of things he does do better than bedard though i think his off puck play is a little bit better he's a little bit more intelligent when it comes to the defensive side of the game and in transition i think he's a fantastic player i think he's going to be a really big difference maker in almost any other draft going back the last few years i probably take him first overall i i, I go back wow. in the drafts of, of recent years and i did this with uh, this exercise with another podcast recently and outside of bedard the last player i'd take o- first overall over him was probably austin matthews so it's going back a few years and you can maybe have the debate about jack hughes now that we've seen what he's done in the nhl but for the most part adam fantilli is probably the second best prospect in the nhl or coming into the nhl since austin matthews
0: you know it's, it's interesting you bring up jack hughes and i think that uh i mean there was a debate at the time would he and, you know, people here obviously <laughs> thought that he might go to Michigan and follow uh, uh, his older brother and then, obviously, his younger brother who who plays for the Wolverines uh, just to get that year of seasoning or uh, to, uh, uh, you know, really, um, you know, maybe bulk up, get a little stronger, mature for a year. But he went right into the NHL when you're the first overall pick and, and you can do that. Um, do you think that but, – but it sounds like – Bedard, and they're about the same size, and I know they're different. I don't like to compare players like that, but you know, I w- when I look at Connor Bedard, and I do look at his size. Um, do you think that he'll be able to withstand the grind of uh, of the men's league, the ultimate men's league, which is the NHL?
1: I think Bedard's going to come in and probably score thirty in his first year. Wow! Um, and, it, and it's not really going to be too difficult for him, I think. Because this is a guy that I think one of the most underrated aspects of his game is the fact that he's kind of a pest. He's a little bit of a, a guy that likes to get in there and mix it up. I talked to him earlier this year, and I asked him about it. And he goes, I, I've been doing that since I was 12, 13 years old. That's just part of my game. That's always what I've done. After the whistle, you want to mix it up with me? I'll more than be happy to mix it up with you. He said his first year in the WHL, he didn't really do it because he was 15 really young and and smaller than a lot of these six foot three guys but as he's become more comfortable and more confident in himself and and just developed into the player he is now he knows he can get away with some of that stuff he knows he can get in there and mix it up because you watch the elite players that that are able to do that in the nhl you think of brad marchand and the way he's able to kind of get you off your game get you off your psyche by just kind of getting under your skin and then skating away and letting a guy like Zidane Chara back in the day kind of deal with his mess I think Bedard's going to be able to do that at the NHL level and I think him walking into the league next year you might not see it too much in his first year just because he's going to have to get comfortable but I think within a few years people are going to go this kid's an underrated rat
0: yeah well well you know I, I'm really eager to see him play obviously and Fantilli as well uh, uh, you know, I, I you know I, I'm a huge Michigan fan, so uh, you know I, I've been a, a, aware of his exploits too, and uh, I, I hope that uh, you know, boy, um, I think either one of them would look good in the uh, with the winged wheel and the red and white. But uh, you know, again, um, I do a lot of wishful thinking whenever we talk to prospects <laughs> in, in the draft here. Uh, let's uh, let's continue. Um, another player that uh, you know you brought him up is Leo Carlson, who also. Uh, A a big centerman, plays uh, in the the SHL. Uh, He really seems like he could be uh, uh, just a wonderful, wonderful addition to any team.
1: Yeah, I love Leo Carlson's game. He's he's a bit like Adam Fantilli in the fact that he blends power and speed to his game. I don't know if his two-way game is quite at the same level, but he also has a really high level of skill, which I th- find really fun to watch with his game. There's so many times where you'll watch him kind of dangle one defender, throw the other, other defender on his back, and then beat the goalie on, the, on a rush down the middle of the, the offensive zone. He does so many things in tight around the net really well. He's really intelligent, and I think... There have been signs where he's shown development defensively as well. I think he's almost like a, a B-plus or an A-minus version of Adam Fantilli. So he's another guy where I think in a lot of years, he'd at least be in that, con- that conversation for first overall. I think this year's draft at the top end, especially with those three, you have some really high, high-end talent and- Man, if Detroit ends up kind of continuing this little downfall that they've taken in the last little bit, bit, and they start to fall down the standings, and say they do get third overall, say they get second overall or something like that, I think they're going to get a player that's really going to put the put the cap on this this rebuild and be able to kind of bring them through that next step.
0: Uh, let's, uh, uh, you, you know, I, and obviously he's Swedish, so we know he, you know, that 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 that. that. That seems to be a big determining factor if, uh, if you want to be a Red Wing. Uh, you know, the, the joke going around uh, uh, the room is, well, he's Swedish. Of course the Red Wings are going to draft him. Uh, uh, let's, uh, let's look. How about Zach Benson? He's an, another intriguing player.
1: Zach Benson's a ton of fun. Maybe the smartest player in the entire draft class. He is undersized as well, so there's a little bit of concern about whether or not he's going to be able to stick at center, but I think he's going to be able to just because of how smart he is. He understands where to be on the ice. He never makes a wrong move, both offensively and defensively, I think. The big thing with him is he's a bit of a tactician. He knows kind of how to break down the opposition and and exactly where to attack, and he does it really, really well. I think he's going to be a player that takes a couple years of developing after his draft, but once he gets into the NHL, he's going to be a player that kind of plays that really smart game he's got some speed he's got a high level of skill there, there's a ton to really like about Zach Benson's game one of one of my favorite players to watch out west and unfortunately he doesn't get the the run that he would normally get in most draft years because Connor Bedard also plays in the WHL and he's taken up a lot of the headlines uh,
0: let's, uh, uh, let's continue because I then I, I, I want to concentrate and get your thoughts on uh, on some of the red wing prospects here and I don't want to keep you too long, Tony, because we could go on for hours, literally hours. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure that I'm probably uh, going to mispronounce his name. He plays in Russia for, for Sochi. Uh, uh, Matvey Miknov?
1: Matvey mitchkov yeah. He's uh, he's an interesting prospect because at the start of the year, I think he was in that conversation with with uh, Fantilli and Bedard and even Carlson as that elite, elite talent in this draft class. And I think... There's still some possibility that it gets there. I just think some of his traits kind of away from the puck and his shooting habits and stuff like that, the skill level is all there. It's no doubt about it. He's one of the most talented players in this draft. He's an elite shooter, uh, an elite playmaker. I think when he uses his teammates, he's an exceptional, exceptional player. The problem is he likes to play hero hockey a little bit too much. He's a little bit focused on playing on his own, not really using his teammates as much as he should be. And he shoots from just about everywhere in the offensive zone. And while some of that works in the KHL, it's not going to work when he comes to the NHL. There's going to be a big adjustment for him, I think. And at the end of the day, he's fallen down a lot of draft boards because I think coming into the year, even he was challenging even fantilly for that second spot. I think a lot of people said it was Bedard, Mitchkov, Fantilli, fantilly. And now Mitchkov's kind of fallen down a little bit.
0: Yeah. You know, I- And and let's bring this up right now. What's the status of Russian players being drafted? I know the Red Wings with uh, uh, Buchelnikov uh, drafted a Russian last year. Is is that kind of opening up, considering the volatile world situation that we're also in? Uh, Are are teams uh, engaged with Russian prospects, or are there some teams that say it's just too iffy if we draft this person?
1: oh, there's, there's going, definitely going to be teams that are still going to say, ah, we're going to stay away, we're going to shy away from it. But at the end of the day, we saw a lot of Russians get drafted last year, and we saw a lot of them go in the first round. I think teams are still looking and going, we're not going to be seeing these prospects for two, three years anyways. At the end of the day, that's where, especially once you get outside the top 10, top 15, a lot of these guys take two or three years to develop as it is. So they're kind of banking on the world situation figuring itself out and hoping that they can get these players over and playing into more favorable situations before then if possible and we've seen a few russians come over and we've seen a few russians have trouble coming over so it's still a risk but i think there are that most teams are kind of just going we'll figure it out when we need to figure it out
0: yeah i, I yeah i i i still say you know you know at the end of the day that you just take the best player and, and deal yep. with the consequences. Yeah, if you think it's the best player, go ahead and take him, and then yep. uh, and then it'll work itself out. You know, and and, and if it doesn't, well, it, it's always worth. I, I'm a risk taker, Tony, so it's always worth the risk to me. Uh, I you know there's so many players, and you know we're gonna have to have you on again. But um, uh, how about some other players that uh, you know we should be aware of that we haven't mentioned? I know we've only. Uh, caught uh, touched upon a few right now for the upcoming draft but then again obviously it's only the uh, 17th of january so we do have some time to really explore this in depth but uh, other guys that have impressed you thus far that red wing fans should be aware of
1: andrew cristal is the first name that comes to mind he's a really really high-end winger from the Kelowna rocket really fun shifty player has a lot of skill Uh, The ability to score goals and set up teammates, I think that's a big thing for him. Uh, Will Smith and Ryan Leonard and even Oliver Moore playing for the U.S. Under-18 team, they've, they've been some of the best players for this draft class. It's been really fun to kind of see them develop into the players that they are slowly becoming smith's one of the most shifty skilled players coming out of the draft i think he's an electric puck handler he can make people look silly at times ryan leonard's a a high-end power forward even though he isn't the biggest guy he drives to the net he puts his shoulder down like a running back and just kind of plays downhill he's an excellent compliment to will smith Uh, oliver moore is a really good play driving center i think he's going to be a really fun player to watch kind of coming into the the draft as well and then i think you do have a few russians uh dmitry simeshev a left-handed defenseman coming out of russia plays a little bit of an understated game he has this skill but doesn't always break it out uh he's a guy that if you're looking at the stat sheet you're like ah there's not much here but if you start to watch him play you're like oh this is a really really good player uh, a few other players: Axel Sandin Pelika, really good def- right-hand defenseman, offensive guy, uh, playing in Sweden right now. This is a really good draft class. I think any pick, even if Detroit does kind of stay where they're at and they get the 9th, tenth, eleventh pick, they're going to get a really, really good player.
0: Yeah, well, that you know, we you know we heard that last year, obviously uh, with Marco Casper too. Uh, you yeah, uh, know, I've got to ask him because. <laughs> because uh, there's so many Michigan hockey fans that uh, that are part of my life but how about uh, 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 Gavin Brindley
1: I love Gavin Brindley this kid's an absolute stud I think he probably doesn't get the love he he deserves because well one he has Adam Fantilli doing what he's doing on his own on his own team but also two he's kind of been put in a, a bit of a difficult position I think Coming into the year, he was expected to be down the lineup a little bit, kind of working his way into college hockey, letting himself learn kind of slowly on the job. And with Frank Nazar's injury, he was asked to kind of fill that void and be the driver of that lineup up in the top six at times and he's done a really good job of it i think he does a lot of things really well he's a he's a a really good defensive player in the offensive zone in in the fact that when he doesn't have the puck when the other team has the puck and they're trying to break out he makes it an absolute nuisance to try to do it he's always on the puck he's always trying to get the puck back and once he does he's putting the puck in high danger areas he's we saw it a few times at the world juniors where he was setting guys up for glorious chances and not all of them went in because he was playing lower in the lineup and not with the best players but he's a really really good player i think he's a really fun player and it's a sneaky candidate to kind of sneak into the top 20.
0: well and and, you know i'm real real curious i know you said defensively you've talked about a few defensemen how about goaltending you know they're, they're you know, the, the the Sebastian Kosas, the Jesper Wallstats, uh, uh, Askaroff a few years back. Uh, anybody uh, uh, of that ilk, uh, and you know, and I think Red Wing fans can really attest to. You know, it, goaltending is such a crapshoot right now. I, I know Sebastian was a ECHL All Star, uh, but uh, uh, some of the Sebastian being Kosa, of course. But any kind of goaltender, anything sticks out, or is just goaltending, just way too. Uh, you just can't predict it
1: Goaltending's tough it always is i think this year it's a it's a better year than last last year because there was a couple guys that were drafted last year probably a little bit higher than they should have been but at the end of the day i think there are at least one or two goaltenders that probably deserve first round um, consideration this year michael rible michael rabble playing for the omaha lancers a czech goalie he's a really really talented goalie huge guy with some good range uh in his crease i think he's gonna be a really fun player cardi Bjonson, carson Beyonson, uh playing for the Brandon wheat kings in the whl and then there's a few other guys jacob fowler playing in the ushl is a really good goalie as well i think there's a few goalies this year that maybe they don't get drafted in the top 10 top 15 they're not the cosa they're not the the ask or wall level, but they are guys that are certainly up there. I think it's going to be a really fun year for goal goalies uh, heading into this draft.
0: All right, great. Well, I'll tell you, that's a quick overview. Obviously, Tony, you know, your stuff in, in the hockey news is excellent. We'll be looking at it. and We'll certainly have you on uh, uh, probably several times if you're willing before June, but uh, I, I want to get into the red wings and their current prospect pool uh, and, and ask you about a few players and, and how they're doing. But, you know it's really interesting Um, I I know that you saw him play and you talked about him we've talked about all of them but three players that have had a significant impact on the Red Wings I want you to just maybe your thoughts are are you surprised that Mo Sider is as good as he is that Lucas Raymond adapted quickly to the NHL game and then when given the opportunity even though he set the Grand Rapids rookie scoring record last year that Jonathan Bergren is really does not look out of place
1: No, I think uh, Morris Sider's was one of my favorite prospects in his draft year. I think he's an absolute stud defenseman. He's he's really kind of going through a little bit of a sophomore slump this year in terms of learning to play with a different player. He's playing with Ben Stroud a lot this year. Recently, he's kind of been taken away from him, which has been a bit of a a bit of a boost to his his play, which has kind of been an interesting development. But I think Mort Sider is going to be the Red Wings' number one defenseman for years to come. I think he's a really excellent player. Lucas Raymond's an absolute stud. I love this kid too. Really, really high octane smart offensive player uh he play when he's playing with dylan larkin he, he's one of the best uh, combos in the nhl it's really fun to watch those two work um i actually have something coming out on the hockey news about lucas raymond over the next couple days so th- make sure to watch out for that because it's a, he's an absolute fantastic player and even though he's going through a bit of a sophomore slump he's probably gonna outpace his, his, his run from last year and as for bergen this kid's just so much fun to watch he's so skilled so good uh, as a playmaker i think his ad- ad- adapt ad- ad- adapting to the nhl level has been really great he's been fun to watch at the nhl level i think he hasn't been without his faults he's he's shown some weaknesses at times but for the most part this guy looks like an NHLer, and i don't think uh he's kind of forcing the red wings hand in terms of keeping him in that lineup
0: oh yeah there's no doubt i don't think he's gonna go back to gr unless uh it's for a playoff run or something, but the Griffins, you know, that, that's a big if at where they stand at this point uh, in the standings. The thing I like about Begrin is, is that I think his passing and anticipation, he is a very, very smart hockey player
1: yeah extremely intelligent he understands where players are going to be not necessarily where they are at the moment and i think that's a big thing for playmakers in the nhl is the game is so fast you can't pass to where a guy is you have to know where they're going and make sure you hit their tape there and he's excellent at doing that
0: yeah he certainly is let's uh let's move our attention now to guys who have uh have not well one has actually and i probably should go to him next is uh uh big elmer as we like to call him uh uh elmer uh, Soderblom uh really didn't look out out of place here in detroit you know obviously grand rapids for some seasoning is is a pretty good move but uh, uh what did you think of or what do you think of elmer
1: elmer is such a fun player i think ultimately he ends up being that bottom six guy at the nhl level that does a lot and can kind of help out on the power play he's a such an interesting uh, talent because he's so high, highly skilled he's got some of the best hands i've seen on a, a guy that size in years and he's done a really good job of improving the skating i think that was the big thing coming out of the draft for him is it, can he figure out whether or not he can get to an nhl level of skating and while i still think there's there's work to do in terms of kind of building speed working on his edges and everything when you have a 6 8 guy that's almost 250 pounds that has the hands and the offensive ability that this guy has it's going to be really hard to hold him out of the NHL long term. So while he got he had eight points in 21 games this year, it's certainly nothing uh, terrible for for a, a rookie player. This is a guy that I think could give him the rest of the season the AHL. He got that NHL taste. He knows what he has to do. Uh, get him to the NHL for the rest of the year. If you need an injury call-up, sure, make him with the injury call-up, but let him kind of continue that development, let him kind of understand what he has to do now, and watch him come back next year and just kind of, not necessarily like the world on fire, but really establish himself as an NHL player.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, certainly, I mean, his his hands and his hand-eye coordination, I say this about Michael Rasmussen all the time too, but for men their size, that's pretty extraordinary that they're, that their hands are that soft so to speak
1: yeah it really is it's, it's not something you see very often a lot of times the guys that size are a little bit brick handed and the puck comes off their stick and it's a not accurate it's not not controlled and, and they're kind of fighting it all the time but those two guys especially solar he, he's just gonna got the puck on the string
0: yeah certainly let's uh let's turn our attentions to uh uh the one and only uh, Simon Edvinson okay you know you can also all start laughing at me I thought he was going to make Detroit right uh, right out of training camp uh, and you know I know he had to deal with a sickness early on uh, in his Grand Rapids career but he seems to be rounding into a very very good hockey player whom okay I'm going to say it again I think will be here in Detroit next season but your thoughts on Edvinson
1: Yeah, I think someone Edison's done a really good job of kind of managing his AHL games this year. He's done a a good job of of working on on the things that he needs to work on, especially some of the decision making in the neutral zone and in the breakout, because defensively I think he's shown a little bit better than what you we were expecting him to show at this level so far this year. And especially when in training camp early on, there were moments where you're like, oh, this guy could be an NHLer. And then the very next shift, you're like, ah, no, maybe he does need a season in the AHL. And I think the Red Wings have been smart so far. A lot of people at various times have been like, oh, now's the time to call Edmondson up. Now's the time we get him up in the NHL, even for a few games. And I think that could happen at the end of the year, but ultimately I think him seeing the a- a- AHL for the entire season is going to be good for him. I think understanding what he needs to work on has been great for him as well. He's going to be a really good offense or good two-way defenseman uh, in the next couple of years, but I do think he needs a, another year of development or so. But next season I do expect him to probably end up playing a lot of the season in the NHL, if not the whole season.
0: Right. You know, you, bred, you brought up something interesting, Tony, and that is, uh, and I guess a lot of this is going to have to do with where Grand Rapids is because I know Steve Eisenman would like to see uh, Grand Rapids make the playoffs and have these young prospects, and there's a lot of them down in GR for, for, for the Red Wings, do a playoff run. Get used to that. See what a playoff run, uh, a North American playoff run, shall we say, is all about. Uh, but uh, do you see him coming up for that nine-game audition?
1: i could. i don't know if it's gonna be nine games but i could see them giving them a few games at the end of the year even if it even if like the uh the grand Rapids griffins kind of get right back into that playoff picture and, and they start to kind of push towards that that level of being in the playoffs i could see them going hey here's there's tw- 12 games left in this in the ahl season we're gonna call you up for the for the next four to play in the nhl get a taste of that then go back to the AHL and finish off the season there, get into the playoffs and make a run with the Griffins. It's going to be really interesting because if the Griffins are out of the playoffs kind of right as the season's winding down, it makes sense to bring him up and, and give him a few games. I don't know if the nine games are what he's going, to, going to be what he's going to get, but he's certainly, I think, going to see NHL game action, at least to a limited extent this year. All
0: right, let's uh, continue now. We, we talked about a Marco Casper uh, doing good things in the SHL for a teenager.
1: Yeah, he really is one of the most well-rounded, uh, smart, intelligent, just absolutely refined prospects in the last couple of years. He, he showed that not only is his defensive game good, and that's what everyone loved him for last year, he started to blossom offensively a little bit. He's showing that he's got some skill, he's got some, some ability to kind of impress with the puck on his stick. He's shown his finishes improved this year I think that's been a big thing for him he's been able to score some goals and his passing ability has taken a, a big step I think and that's the biggest thing for him. I think he's been showing he's shown much more confidence with the puck on his stick because he is a hardworking guy that, For the most part, last year he was working cycles. He was doing all those little things that a bottom six center does and that uh, a high end bottom six center does, a guy that wins uh, at the NHL level. And I think that's why the Red Wings drafted him. And seeing that development of him being able to play in space this year has been a big thing for him showing the playmaking off like I said the finishes improved his skill still isn't through the roof by any means but he does have the ability to flash his hands every once in a while to make 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 everyone kind of go oh maybe there is a, a legitimate top six scoring center here it's gonna be really interesting to see what he does next year because he's one of those guys where I'm like depending on how good his summer is I think he could challenge for a spot with the Red Wings and if he's not there I think he's gonna be a really kip, pivotal piece for the for the Griffins
0: oh yeah yeah certainly I mean I I think we you know the anticipation is is he's going to be in North America either way. It's just a determine, you know, and he'll go a long way in determining which uniform he's going to be in, either the Griffins or the, uh, uh, the, the Red Wings. Um, uh, another player that uh, there are a lot of high hopes on, and I know Red Wings looking at uh, their, their goaltending situation, you know, certainly uh, 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 Alex Nadalkovich now in GR, but certainly he can be called up uh, here in Detroit now that he cleared waivers. Uh, Magnus Helberg has acquitted himself quite well, and, you know, Vili Huso uh, has been really, really good for Detroit, you know, it, obviously playing maybe too many games. I know that uh, uh, Derek Lalonde, the, the head coach of the Red Wings, is talking about that. So let's talk about Sebastian Cosa, who could have gone back to junior this year, uh, but the Red Wings chose to, uh, uh, to keep him, have him play pro, and he's played a majority of his games with the Toledo Walleye. Very good system. Dan Watson's an excellent coach down in Toledo. Uh, how, how do you think Sebastian is, uh, is doing his first season uh, of professional hockey?
1: It's been an interesting season. I think he's definitely adjusting to the pro game. I've watched all, all of his AHL, all three of his AHL games, and he's been hit and miss. He's made some saves where you're like, oh, that's a guy that can be an AHL goalie. That's a guy that can kind of take that next step to the pros, especially early on early on in the season. But as the seasons kind of wore on, even in the ECHL, where admittedly the defensive structure isn't quite quite all that good, He's definitely shown, shown some cracks. I think he's he's been a little bit up and down. There's, they're looking through his, some of his stats this se- season now. He's had a few games where he's up over a 930 save percentage and then a few where he's sub 750. So it's definitely like been a bit of a, a bit of an adventure for him. But at the end of the day, he's a 20-year-old playing pro hockey. And especially as a goaltender, that's a difficult thing to do. He's a really good prospect still. I think he, he didn't necessarily have the best draft plus one last year. But making the step to the, the pro game is, is a big thing for him. I think the Red Wings still definitely have one of the better goaltending prospects in the, in the world, though, right now.
0: Well, yeah, and, and I look at it, and, and I would think reasonable expectation is is that he's in GR next year and gets a full, uh, a full season uh, uh, of AHL hockey next year, I would assume, as the number one netminder for the Griffins. And then so let's see where we are two years from now.
1: Yeah, exactly. Goalies aren't aren't uh, even first-round pick goalies for the most part. They aren't coming into the league in, in starting games. Uh, Jesper Wallstead, the other goalie drafted in his draft year, isn't starting in the NHL right now. He's an AHL guy. I think Yaroslav Askarov, he's gotten a couple AHL, or NHL starts, I think, this year. But it wasn't in the plans, and I think for the most part, they're going to continue trying to keep him down at the AHL level. Spencer Knight's really the only one and he was the first one drafted a few years back and he's he's been a special case kind of adapted to Florida system really really well after playing in the university level but at the end of the day I think goalies draft goalies develop differently I think goalies until they're about 22 23 you can't really rely on them to be NHLers and coast is definitely going to take a year or two before he gets there
0: all right let's uh let's continue here and uh you know we're running out of time I wanted to keep it right around an hour today so uh, uh William Wallander Uh, Playing in Sweden, defenseman, uh, uh, I I know that when the Red Wings got him, I don't know if he was the first pick of the second round or the second pick of the second round, but they were really, really excited when they were able to draft him where they were able to draft him because they thought he would be a first rounder. He has had kind of an up-and-down career since the Red Wings drafted him, but he really does seem to be, uh, his game seems to be rounding out quite nicely now.
1: Yeah, I think William Wallander's a a really really good prospect. He was a top 20 guy on my board that year. I uh, I wasn't shocked to see him go because the big thing with him was he has all the tools, can he put it together? And we've seen him have some up and down, some hiccups and, and some questions of is he putting it together because we can't quite see it all, all the way that so far and this year we've seen him kind of take that step put everything together at the shl level he's got 23 points in 34 games which is awesome for an, uh for a defenseman at that level but he's also improved his game defensively he's using his skating and size more effectively he's understanding what he needs to do to be an effective presence at both ends of the ice and i think that's the biggest development th- with william wallander Yeah, you
0: know I, I, and I, an, another player that that's really really interesting and I know that the Red Wings, I I don't know if they traded up to draft him specifically, but I do think that he was uh, used with a draft pick that they did trade up for, and that's uh, Shai Boom who plays for the University of Denver, the reigning national champion, and it pains me to say that since I'm such a big Michigan hockey fan. But uh, uh, how is he doing his sophomore year at the University of Denver?
1: He's definitely taking a step. I think he's more confident this year. Uh, he's a guy that I think understands how to play the game and understands what he is. He's not going to necessarily try to go out there and be Kale Makar. He knows he's not that. But he's definitely taking a step in terms of being more confident as, as a puck carrier and in, in knowing where to get to his teammates on the breakouts and everything. This isn't a guy that's going to be a huge offensive player at the next level, but he's going to be a more than capable puck mover. And at the end of the day, his defensive game is where he's he needs to kind of Continue to improve, and he's in a great environment for that at the University of Denver. I think he's shown some really high-end defensive traits this year. And at the end of the day, he's a guy that it's he's anytime you're drafting outside the first round, it's going to be a bit of a, a question mark as to how how high this guy is going to get in terms of the NHL talent. But he's projecting quite well so far. And yeah, you know, a guy that was a lot of pressure,
0: and I you know I was told by a few people uh, before training camp uh, uh, last fall is that a guy that could be a, not it's so much a diamond in or rough, but a surprise could make the Red Wings coming out of camp was Albert Johansson, who is playing for G, uh, for Grand Rapids. Albert, though, kind of uh, still feeling his way. How would you characterize what's been going on with Albert?
1: Albert Johansson's an interesting prospect. He's He's got some size, he's got some skating ability. He, he's shown offensive ability in the past, but it's still a work in progress, I think. There, there's a, a lot to like about his game, but he's also showing that he still needs some development time. I think he, he's getting some run at the SHL level a little bit this year, but he's going to need another year where he's getting consistent SHL time and consistent SHL ice time because at the moment, he's not really playing a ton at that level. He's definitely playing in the third pairing minutes there. He's not playing power play. He's not playing on the penalty kill too much. So... It's going to be a longer run with him, but he's definitely a good prospect. I think he has the tools to make it to the next level, but he's an 18 year old. It's not a guy that you're, you're going, man, this is, this is the guy for next year. It, this is a guy for 2025 maybe.
0: Yeah. So he, it'll still be, uh, he, he'll still be a, a little bit away. Uh, let's continue. Maybe a, a player that, uh, uh, I think a lot of expectations, again, the Red Wings, when they drafted him, were really, really excited, but has been relegated, I think, to the, to the Alfont, Alfonskin League is uh, uh, Theodore Niederbach, who really wanted a change of scenery. went from London to Rogla, and it doesn't seem to be working out quite so well for him.
1: Theodore Niederbach's an interesting player because he has the shot, he has some passing ability, but it, it, it's a little bit more of a, a skating issue. I think he, he doesn't have necessarily the, the high-end tools to be a, a true difference maker. Um, and, and that's what he's used to doing at some of the lower levels. I think that's going to be the big thing for him is he needs to kind of pick up the pace, figure out what exactly he's going to be at the next level, because I don't think he's going to be a top six guy. And he's kind of figuring that out as he goes or the, the last year or so. So it, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what he's able to do because yeah, like you said, he's not really figured it out yet. So it, he's the guy too, that I think is going to be a couple of years. Like at the end of the day, he's 20. There's no rush to get him into the lineup. He might be a guy that at 23 is finally kind of getting that NHL run. But at the end of the day, he's also a guy that was a little bit of a boomer bust when he was drafted.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, another player that university of Denver product, uh, Carter Mazer, uh, you know, obviously had a great freshman year for Denver and, you know, pretty much, uh, looks like he could be a guy that uh, could contribute to the red Wings somewhere in the future.
1: Yeah, Carter Mazer's an absolute stud. He he's a really good goal scorer. The shots not an issue. The his ability to kind of get to high danger isn't an issue. The big thing with him is is he going to be able to do anything else? And and I think anytime you see a player that is so heavily reliant on his his goal scoring ability, you you get a little bit concerned. I think his his playmaking this year hasn't quite been where where you expected or even where it was last year but he's still scoring the lights out with the puck on his stick. I think that's the big thing for him. Uh, is he going to be one of those third-line guys that puts in 20 goals and has 15 assists at the next level? Uh, that's certainly not a bad player, and I think that's kind of the mold that you could see him kind of come into over the next few years.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what his develop is. Another player now is playing for, for Grand Rapids, uh, you know, and I think doing a reasonably well job down there for the Griffins is uh, Cross Hannes.
1: Yeah, Cross Honest is an interesting prospect, because when he was drafted, I think there was a lot of people that were like, was this a good pick? And he's kind of taken a few minutes to, to figure that out, and it, it's been really interesting to kind of see him develop, because he has some skill, his skating is just not necessarily up to par, and, and that's big, been the big thing with him for the last few years, is is his mobility is his ability to kind of get up and down the ice going to be able to keep up at the NHL level going to be able to keep up at the AHL level and we've seen moments where he's fallen up behind a little bit at the AHL level this year Uh, but for the most part he's figuring it out his first pro season I don't think it's a bad year by any means so I think this is a kid that you give him time, and there could be a, a pretty decent bottom six player here. With that said, he could end up just being a really high end AHL player. Which at the end of the day, you need to fill out that system, and you need to have guys that can can play down on the Griffins as well. So he's going to be an interesting case study of can he kind of figure out a, a niche at the NHL level?
0: Yeah, you know another another player, and you know we did talk, uh, I, I did mention him earlier, but a Russian forward who. Uh, seems to be offensively gifted, and that's de, de, uh, Dmitry Buchelnikov. Uh, you know, he, I, I know he's like under contract to 2025, I believe, in Russia, but this is a very intriguing prospect for Detroit
1: insane skill level he's a bit of a video game on ice there's so many things that he's able to do that create highlights at the end of the day his game isn't the most translatable to the nhl level to the pro level in general i think he's going to be a guy that is going to need a couple years so the contract isn't really too much of a worry for me but he has the skill level there's no doubt about that we've seen him dangle guys he has a great shot uh, the ability to kind of beat goaltenders clean from all over the ice i think with him a lot like what i talked about with mitchkov earlier You need to get into the high-danger areas a little bit more consistently, and I think that's going to be a thing for him. Get into that home plate area that they talk about on broadcast so often and get to the slot because at the end of the day, that's where goals are scored. And this is a guy that's shooting from above the dodge, shooting from out wide and and scoring that way. The skill is there. He has the hands to deke anybody. He can beat a goalie clean from a lot of different angles in Russia. Is he going to be able to do that at the AHL level? Is he going to be able to do it at the NHL level? Those are the big questions with him.
0: Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Well, will be. I, I. Yeah. I'm going to really monitor his progress because, uh, you know, he could be. He could. You know, Red Wings have had some pretty good luck with Russian players, so uh, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how he pans out. Uh, another player that was the uh, Red Wings' only representative at the World Junior Tournament just concluded. Uh, that's Redmond Savage, better known as Red Savage. Uh, you know, he he really seems to be an energy kind of leader. Uh, you know, a, a guy that you need on your club who just uh, pretty much does what needs what what the club needs. He's able to provide if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, I think Red Savage is one of those guys that he. Although he probably plays on your third line. Maybe he's a center, maybe he's a winger. He, he's a guy that I wouldn't be shocked to see have, have an A on his jersey at some point. A guy that really is that leader. He understands what he needs to do on any given shift. He has some skill and offensive ability, but for the most part, he's out there working hard. He's going to outwork the opposition. He's going to kind of do things that other teams aren't able to kind of counteract in terms of effort. I think whenever when he, he's on the ice you automatically know kind of who's the hardest worker i think that's a big thing with him he's a fun player to watch i think he's going to be really interesting to see kind of get work his way towards the pro level and, and i think detroit knows better than anybody you've seen kurt Malthby, chris draper all these darren mccarty guys come through maybe they weren't top line guys but they're pivotal pivotal parts of, of stanley cup winning teams and i think red savage could be one of those guys
0: and uh, another player and every time i bring him up i say you know, the book on him is either people love him or they can't stand him. You know, I mean, personally, I think everyone thinks he's a great person, I'm sure. But Emil Vero, uh, who also obviously is playing uh, in, in Grand Rapids this year, too. Uh, legitimate prospect, Tony? Where do we stand with Emil? Emil?
1: I think he's definitely a legitimate prospect whether or not he's going to be much more than the third pairing defenseman i think that's going to be the big question for him i think he he shows the ability to kind of engage physically he's a physical guy that can throw hits plays some pretty decent defensive hockey but you look at the environment he's currently in with the with the grand rapids griffins and it's not like that's a great team this year. So I think the big thing with him is you're going to need to see him with better players as that Griffins team develops over the next couple of years as he develops over the next couple of years and see if he can kind of fill in that that bottom pairing role at the next level. I think You look at him and he could be a a really smart defensive presence that moves well, skates well, and can make a breakout pass. He's not going to be an offensive dynamo by any means, but maybe you put him next to a guy that has a bit more offensive flair to his game. Maybe a third pairing of him and Wallander down the road or something like that could work out well. It's going to be interesting to kind of see his development, but it's definitely a, 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 a longer shot for him being a huge impact player.
0: You know, another player I wanted to ask you about, he's at the University of North Dakota, uh, drafted in the second round, 40th overall. Real intriguing player in my book, uh, Dylan James.
1: Dylan James is interesting. He was a pick, again, I think a lot of people kind of questioned, what, what are you doing when drafting him, where they drafted him? I don't think anyone was debating as to whether he was a good prospect. But it was whether or not he was a prospect that you need to draft at that level. And since then, I think people have been talked about how other teams were in on him. Other teams were kind of looking at him as a, a guy that could be uh, a pretty solid prospect moving forward. I think he's shown a, a scoring half a point a game this year at the at the University of North Dakota. It's not too bad. He's he's got some a bit of offensive flair, but I think the biggest thing with him is he's that bottom six guy that can kind of do a little bit of what Red Red Savage does. I think he can be that guy that works along the cycle. He understands how to kind of play the pro style game, establish body position, understand. Where he needs to be, what side of the puck and what side of the defender stick he needs to be on. Is he going to be this offensive guy that flashes and flares and, and kind of play alongside a Lucas Raymond? No, no, probably not. But seeing him alongside a Red Savage on a third or fourth line, that's kind of more where the, the projection is for him.
0: Right. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, a couple of uh, just a couple more players, and then we're definitely going to, uh, uh, to uh, wrap this up. One that uh, I think we all liked him because of his name. Uh, But uh, And he was, you know, a seventh-round pick, 212th overall. But, you know, I guess uh, Red Wing fans, you know, if if Jonathan Erickson can make it as Mr. Irrelevant and have a long career for the Detroit Red Wings. But uh, uh, Brendan Ali, uh, very very engaging young man. uh, You know, playing now for the Lincoln Stars in the USHL is – is this a player because, again, he was one that maybe people thought he could be maybe a bit of a diamond in the rough.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of the hope with him. I think the hope is a, a long-term project with uh, with Ali. I think the the fact is that in his D-plus-one, he's still not quite a point-of-game player in the USHL. is a little bit of concern in terms of his offensive production, but he's a hard worker. He's a guy that understands kind of – what his role is going to be at the next level and where he's going to be. And I think the, the Red Wings drafted him for tools more than necessarily his offensive his offensive output. I think they look at him and they go, where can he fit into an NHL lineup? We're not looking for him to be a top-line guy. I think in the seventh round, looking for to fill a spot on your top six is a little bit foolish at times, but sometimes just swing on that upside. Whereas with Brendan Ali, I think you're swinging on effort. You're swinging on a guy that has some ability to kind of do a little bit of everything in a bottom six is he going to be an NHL player? I don't know. It's still a long shot for him. I think any seventh round pick is, but he definitely has kind of shown a bit of progression in the USHL this year. Like I said, I don't know where exactly where he ends up in terms of pro talent. He, he could end up being just a really good AHL guy.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's interesting. You know, I, I'm another guy that I really, really like too. And you know, missed a year of hockey. And then I, now I said two more, but I've got to promise. I promise Tony, this is it. Uh, but, uh, um, but uh, Pasquale Zito, who really seems to have a nice little game.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that kind of has a little bit of uh, of the pest element in him as well. I think I, I've seen him here in Windsor for a couple of years when he was first developing. Now he's moved out of town. He's playing uh, elsewhere in the, in the OHL. He's not necessarily a high-end prospect. I think there was hopes that he would be at, at one point. But at the end of the day, I think he's he's doing his job, I think, at the next level. I think, again, he's a guy similar to Ali where you, you're looking for him to put the effort in to kind of slowly develop that way. He, he, again, not a point-of-game guy at the OHL level this year, playing for Niagara. That's kind of what you're worried about offensively with him. You're not getting the that star player. But again, looking for that star in the ne- at the next level is kind of fool or uh, that late in the draft is kind of foolish so right, right. i think f- for for a guy like like uh, Pascal if he ends up coming in and being a legitimate fourth line guy a guy that can play good minutes down there play 10 minutes 12 minutes a night i don't think you can be too unhappy with that
0: all right tony last player and he could be the diamond in the rough drafted last year fourth round 113th overall has already signed a three-year level uh, entry-level contract with the red wings back on december 23rd and we all love his name uh amadeus lombardi who really is uh is kind of tearing it up
1: yeah he might be the diamond in the rough that we've been talking that you, you've you been searching for uh, our he's uh <laughs> 51 points in 40 games with the flint firebirds he's probably their best player now that uh brennan moved out of town he's a fun fun player plays with a ton of skill a ton of speed he, he i remember in, in uh development camp he, he pulled off the michigan move he's got the ability to do stuff like that there, there's a lot of fun in this kid's game he's 19 he missed a year of hockey like you would mentioned he's gonna kind of need some development he's gonna be a little bit of longer term guy but he could be that guy that fills in on that second, third line, be a middle six scoring forward that has the speed, has the skill to kind of play up with a guy like Lucas Raymond or play with a, with a guy like, like a Tyler Bertuzzi on the second line and, and really kind of be a really good player for the, for the Red Wings down the road. But it, it's definitely going to be a, a bit of a wait for him, I think, too.
0: Tony Ferrari, the draft and prospect analyst for the Hockey News. It's always a pleasure to have you on this show. One final word Prospects wise, I've seen the Red Wings rated anywhere from second overall in the NHL, currently all the way down to ninth, but they're definitely in everyone's top 10. What is the health of the Red Wing prospect pool right now?
1: I think it's good. I think they, they have a very good prospect pool. They're probably in that, like, 5 to 10 range for me as well. I think the fact is that they, they've got more insider and they've got Lucas Raymond already graduated to the NHL level, and that's the big thing for them is their two best prospects are already playing NHL minutes and meaningful NHL minutes. They've still got uh, Simon Edvinson. They've still got all these other guys that we've talked about today coming up. and they, At the end of the day, they've still got probably – as much as I hate to say this, they've probably got a top 10 pick coming in this year's draft where it's going to be a really good draft. And if they get a Fantilly, if they get a Carlson, a Mitch even, or heck, maybe they get a Bedard. This team is going to take a huge step developmentally over the next couple of years. And it's going to be fun to see Detroit get back into that uh, competitive spirit that they, they, they were in for so many years.
0: Yeah, certainly. Well, Tony, it's always a pleasure having you on. Enjoy. I've always enjoyed your work and, uh, you know, obviously killing it with the hockey news right now. And uh, we look forward to uh, your, what was it, Lucas Raymond piece that you're going to have coming out in the next couple of days. Yep. All right. Always uh, happy to join you, Art. Yep, it's, it's great, Tony. You have a, a great evening. Look forward to seeing you down at the rink. And uh, thanks for joining us on the Red and White Authority.